Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. You know, over the last nine weeks, we have taken this deep dive into Romans, Paul's letter to the church in Rome, because we need some good news. Daily, we're confronted with bad news. I mean, just look at the news and we're reminded of the disease, disaster, destruction, death, all these things that really plague our broken world. We're reminded of these things, which is why for the last nine weeks, we have immersed ourselves in Paul's letter to the Romans, because it's all about the good news of Jesus. You see, the good news of Jesus is the good news that trumps all these other good news is that we'd like, maybe like a cure for COVID or peace politically. Those things would be nice, and we'd like solutions to our immediate problems, but Jesus is even better than that. You see, he's the cure to the root of our problem. He's the cure for sin. Sin which has marred God's perfect creation. Sin which results in our death. Jesus took death upon himself, the the payment for our sin upon himself, so that you and me can experience life. Life with God now, life with God forever. And one day, Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he's going to restore creation. He's going to renew us. And it's going to be a great day. But as we await that day, What does this good news of Jesus mean for us here and now? Like, are we just in a holding pattern? Just waiting for one day when he's going to come back? What's our response to the gospel? Our response to this good news? Well, that's what the next four weeks and really the rest of Romans is all about. We're going to start diving into it today because in my personal experience, nothing has changed my life more than the gospel. And I'm not just talking like existentially, like some big abstract concept. No, I'm talking very practically. Nothing has changed my day-to-day living more than the gospel. And I believe the gospel can change your life too. And I'm excited to share with you uh, what that could look like, even starting today and then in the weeks to come. Because Paul has a lot to say about how the gospel shouldn't just be experienced, it also should be expressed in how we live our lives. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be there all day. And if you need a Bible, you can, of course, grab one for free in the back or follow along in our free church app. You can also take some notes there. Now, if we read the first 11 chapters of Romans, as we have over the, the, the past weeks, and we just stopped, we could be prone to think that the only response that we should have for hearing the gospel is to believe in Jesus and decide to follow him. And we should do that. But what we're going to see this week and in the weeks to come is that when we experience the gospel, it should be expressed with our lives. You see, when we receive Jesus, it should change how we live. Now, before we dive into Romans chapter 12, let's pause, let's pray. Because we are a people who pray first. You don't want to just simply hear from me. We want to hear from God in this moment as we open his word, as we share this message. So would you bow your heads? Let's pray and ask God to speak to us. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the encouragement it is. Thank you for the truth that it is. 
Would you speak to each and every one of us now as we open it together? Would you draw us closer to you? Would you help us grow in our relationship with you and see how that impacts the way we live our lives day to day? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to pick up in Romans chapter 12, starting in verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, in light of the gospel, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, the idea of offering sacrifices today, it's foreign to us, but it was a very familiar practice back then. The, the Greeks, they would offer sacrifices to appease the gods. Jews would offer sacrifices to receive God's forgiveness. Offering sacrifices was very normative for people back then. But Paul, here he flips the paradigm on its head, totally disrupts their thinking. He's like, look, you don't need to offer sacrifices anymore. God's not mad at you. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he sacrificed his one and only son so that you could have life so you could live a life with him. This is your true and proper worship. You see, because God went first, because Jesus laid his life down so that we can have life, now we lay our lives down as worship to him. Worship isn't a sacrifice you bring. Worship isn't simply a song you sing. Worship is how you should be living. Now, our lives should look more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world around us the longer we've been following Jesus. But for how many of us, it, when our neighbors look at how we spend our money, our coworkers look at how we spend our time, how we talk about others when they're present and when they're not, or, or heaven forbid, when our family and friends look at our lives, how for how many of us do our lives look more like the world around us than Jesus. But this shouldn't be the case. As followers of Jesus, our lives should look different. Our lives should look more like him and less like those who, who don't follow Jesus. You see, while they're planning a weekend getaway, we're trying to protect our time as a church family, maybe on a Sunday. While they're all really intentional about me time and making sure that they get their, their necessary me time every week, we're looking for ways to use the gifts that God's given us for the good of others. Uh, there, there's nothing wrong with vacations. There's nothing wrong with me time. But even people who don't follow Jesus take vacation. And even people who don't follow Jesus are, are good at getting time for themselves. Self-care. As followers of Jesus, we're called to more. So yes, rest. Yes, take care of yourself. And we should look for ways to live a life of worship, where we actually worship God wholly, with all that we are, with, with every breath that we take, with everything that we say, with everything that we do. Uh, some, some ways that this could look. All right, when we go about our day, 
If we want to worship God and how we go about our day, it could be that we're going to pray first to start the day. It could be to pray first when we have to react to something that happens during our day. Maybe it's uh, serving humbly, using our gifts for the good of others, to build something, to be a part of something uh, bigger than ourselves. Uh, worshiping with our life looks like uniting together, coming together, focusing on what unites us rather than what divides us. It could be uh, giving sacrificially, not just financially, but with your time, with your life. The, the talents, the skills that God's given you, using those for the good of others. Could be multiplying, like what Jesus has done in your life, you want others to experience too. So like as you've connected with him, you want others to connect with Jesus too. And of course, of course it means that we're going to love the one who is right in front of us. Because God, through Jesus, loves us so much. So worship holy. Worship with your life, your breath, your words, your actions. And two, serve humbly. This is what Paul fleshed out next, now in verses three through five. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Uh, years ago, uh, I had an Achilles heel in my character, and I didn't know it. That is, uh, until I applied for a job at my college. And for up until that point, every job I applied for, I got. And then I opened my mailbox, my student mailbox, and I pulled out this letter. I had applied to be a resident assistant, an RA, on the campus. And I was really excited about the opportunity because of the prestige that it brought on campus. So I open up my mailbox, I open up this letter, and I read it, and it informs me I did not get the job. I was baffled. I thought, who wouldn't want to hire me? And it's probably that very pride, as I look back now, it's probably that very pride that kept me from initially getting the position. And I wish I could tell you that like, I've checked the box. I'm, I'm now humble, I've got it all together, got it all figured out, but it's just not the case. Like there are still days where I think too highly of myself. I'll never say it out loud, but like I think, oh, I'm God's gift to mankind. Okay, I'm not that bad, don't worry. But I do have thoughts that oh, that thing grew because I was a part of it, or that person is better off because I showed up. And at the same time, the weird thing about pride is it's not just thinking too highly of oneself, I will also think too low of myself. I'll think, oh, our family's struggling because I did this or didn't do that, or you know, we're struggling as a team because I didn't lead in this way, or whatever it is, whether it's too high or too low, I often think of myself too much. Now, maybe you've heard this quote before. It's from C.S. Lewis. He very famously said this about humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's this kind of service, this humble service, that Paul said should characterize us who follow Jesus. He said it this way, back in verse 3, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith 
God has distributed to each of you. Sober judgment. What's that all about? Is that like not drinking and driving? Maybe. Not what he's talking about here, though. Sober judgment is position in perspective. It's understanding that, that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of the church, which, as Paul depicts here, is like a body. A body that has many parts and yet comes together. You see, in this, this word picture, we see both our unity and our diversity coming together for something bigger than ourselves. And he basically says that like a body has many body parts, so too the church has many different people who, all different, who play a different role, serve a different function. And we can't think too highly of ourselves because if we're a mouth, we can't do anything without hands. And we can't go anywhere without feet. And we wouldn't know where to go if we didn't have eyes. Now, I just hope you're not the appendix because then you're useless. It's a beautiful image of our, of our diversity, our gifts, personality, skill sets coming together to represent something, someone bigger than ourselves. And what scripture teaches us is that Christ is the head of the body. I'm not the head of the body. You're not the head of the body. Christ is the head of the body. And Paul Tripp, a pastor and author, he kind of puts it all into perspective for us when he said this, if Christ is the head of his body, then everyone else is just body. Mouth, hand, foot, eyes. We all have a part to play, but we all are dependent upon one another to achieve what God puts before us, to accomplish the mission. In our unity, there is diversity, and in our diversity, there is equality. We need one another. We're dependent upon one another for the success of the whole. Now, we all have a position to play on the team, and it's up to you and to me to play our position passionately, because if we don't, the church, the body, is going to suffer as a result. Now, you may ask, what are we shooting for? Here's what we're shooting for. To connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. That's what we're after. We want to see people who are far from God experience life with Him. And we need far more than simply me teaching. We need John setting up. We need Alex playing keys. We need Matt serving on tech. We need the Goldsteins leading a group at their home. We need the kids team, Kristen and others, serving and, and loving kids well and teaching them about Jesus. We need the church to be the church so that we can see what God's called us to come about. And uh, we, have, we have much to accomplish, friends. People are very disconnected right now. I don't need to share the statistics because we all know it. We've experienced it personally. We've experienced it with those close to us. There's a lot of disconnection. But Jesus would like to change that, and he wants to use us to help him do it. So, this isn't like a me thing. This is a we thing. Paul says, you know, we have to serve humbly. We have to properly understand who we are, the part we play, so that we can passionately play our position on the team. Because God wants to do something through us, through his church, to reach our city, to reach our region with the good news of Jesus. Now, Paul called out a bunch of the different practical implications of this, like what this could look like based on the gifting one might have. And he says it this way in 
verses 6 through 8. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If you don't know how God's gifted you, I would encourage you to get in community because the gifts God's given you aren't for you. My gifts aren't for me. The gifts God's given us are specifically to help build up his body, his church. So if you want to know what you're gifted at, I would say join a group where you can know others and others can know you and they can speak into your life and they can encourage you and help you follow Jesus with the gifts that he's given you. Or maybe it's to serve on a team. You just want to jump right in and you're like, you know what? There's no way to learn better than just getting in the action and seeing how God moves through me. That's great. Whether it's in a group, whether it's on a team, I would say listen to those around you. See what they say about, about when they experience God move through you. So that might be a gifting. That might be something you should lean into more. Now, if you're wondering like, okay, what are some really practical ways that I could get involved if I, if I feel so led, or I just want to jump in and just see how it goes. Uh, one, if you are a welcoming person, if you're a hospitable person, how about you help welcome people as they join us on a Sunday? Our connections team would love for you to serve with them. Or maybe you are good with kids and you would be willing to step out of the service after the worship music and you'd be willing to go back and help teach the kids about Jesus. If that's of interest to you, let us know. We'd love to talk to you. You know, there's, an, there's kind of an exciting, we'd love to actually, on the kids team side of things, we'd love to have another room for kids, honestly. Like we'd love to have a third room so we could do even more age-specific programming for our kids. That's our hope for the fall, but we need people, we need the church to rise up and make it happen. Another thing we want the church to rise up for is we want to reach students. Uh, if you look around the room, we don't have a ton of middle school and high school students. And in heaven, there's going to be a lot of middle school and high school students. And we would love to see the church look a little more like heaven. And we would love to see our community, those in need, those who are feeling disconnected, lonely, isolated. We'd love to see them experience life in Jesus too even if they're a middle school or high school student. So we're looking at ways to start a student ministry. And if you want to be a part of that, we'd love to talk to you about that too. Whether it's a group, whether it's a team, uh, or, or something else, like you can let us know. You can find out about all the different opportunities in the app, and you can even just sign up really easily right there. Or can I just tell you something? You can just talk to like any one of us who call Connect Home, and we would love to help you get involved. Because we're not a church of spectators. We're a church of players. On that, think sports, not dating, okay? And that, we're church on mission. We're, and we will stop at nothing to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. Because the, the gospel isn't just something that we experience ourselves. The gospel is something that should be expressed with our lives. Worshiping holy, serving humbly, and third, we should love actively. Paul put it this way in the, the remainder of Romans 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Now, Jesus is the prime example of this. Uh, he loved in the greatest way possible. He laid his life down for us. Now, because Jesus loved so sincerely, so sacrificially, 
We should love sincerely too. We should love sacrificially, giving of ourself for the good of others. You know, when I, I think of that, I think of my dad. I've shared this story in the past, but it is Father's Day. And something you gotta understand about me, in this season of life, I was you know, an elementary age kid. I loved going hunting with my dad because I loved spending time with him. And it was just quality time with him, driving in the car, going posting up on the edge of a field, whether it was hunting deer or geese, it didn't matter. I just wanted to be with him. Now, there was a Monday where I caught wind that my dad was planning on going hunting that weekend. So when I found out, I just asked him like, dad, can I come with you? Him and my mom talked it over and they both agreed that if I could get an A on my spelling test that Friday morning, I could go with my dad. I thought, yes, like as if it already happened. It was, my mind was racing, like it's, it's gonna happen. So all week long, I'm studying. And at night, my parents are, are you know, going through the, the list of 20 words with me and I'm, I'm trying to learn how to spell them and I'm doing my best. Wake up Friday morning, it's game day. Hands are sweaty as the, the, the teacher puts the paper on my desk and I, and I start to spell out the words. Turn it in and I had to wait all day on Friday to find out Am I gonna be able to go hunting with my dad tomorrow? It wasn't until the very end of the day when the teacher came back around and she is slowly putting the graded spelling tests on different students' desks and then she, she puts it on my desk. And, and I, I flip it over and right there on the top, I see a big letter B. And I do all I can to keep it together. And I slowly, I slink to my mom's car where I just break down in tears. Wasn't a great night, had a hard time falling asleep. And then I hear this knock on my door. My dad says, hey, can you come downstairs for a sec? Sure. So I walk downstairs and I plop down on the couch and I look across the living room at my mom and my dad. And my dad looks at me and he says, Chris, you know how much I like watching sports, right? I said, yep. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I'm gonna give up watching sports for a month so that you can go hunting with me in the morning. Now he continued to talk to me about how it's kind of like what Jesus did for us and sacrificing himself. I didn't hear any of it. I was bouncing up and down. I was getting ready to high five him. I could not wait to go hunting with him. But it's right. Like Jesus, like my dad, we should be a people who love sacrificially. And it can look a multitude of ways. But, but our passion for Jesus should just like overflow from us and it should change the way we relate with those around us. Uh, Paul continues to describe this love, this active love, this way. Verse 11 now. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Our passion for Jesus, our love for him should overflow from us and it should look like love towards those around us. We should pray persistently, not just for ourselves, but for others. Uh, we should be generous towards those who are in need. We should open our homes to host a, a group and welcome people in and, and create a meaningful conversation. Uh, we should love our neighbors even those that we don't get along with well. You know who's been crushing it on that front recently? Zach and Katrina Zaremba. I mean, they've, they've been having a stellar last few weeks. They, uh, 
they invited on our on Memorial Day, we had a community group like barbecue on their back patio. They invited their next door neighbors. They came, we got to meet them. It was so fun. Then the following week, uh, some other neighbors from uh, like a little bit down the road, they came to service. Zach and Katrina invited them to group. And when I showed up that night, there they were at group again. And now they're getting more and more involved. They're just doing whatever they can to connect people with Jesus because he's changing them. And the same should be said of you and me. Like, it's no wonder God's working in Stonegate. What could he do in your neighborhood, in my neighborhood? The, the next thing that Paul talks about when it comes to love, it may surprise you, and I can guarantee it's not going to be easy. At least it's not for me. Now in verse 14 through the, the end of the chapter. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, it just got real. This is real love. This is sincere love, and it is love that actively loves those we don't want to love. But as followers of Jesus, these are the people we're called to love. It's, it's easy to love people who look like us, people who we enjoy being around. But what the gospel calls us to is to love people who don't look like us, people who are hard to be around. So this might mean not judging someone for the color of their skin, their economic status, or something else. It could mean loving the person who votes differently than you, as hard as that could be. We're going to talk more about that next time. It, it definitely means overcoming evil with good. We don't respond. We don't retaliate. It's not ours to do. God will deal with sin. Our responsibility is to love the person in front of us. Because after all, Jesus is the one that we worship. And we, and we don't just worship him in part, like with a little bit of our life or a day of our week. We worship him with our whole life. Every day, every breath that we take, everything that we say, everything that we do. And Jesus is our model for how to serve, for how to love. Now, having experienced the gospel, we should express the gospel. And we do that every time we worship, every time we serve and we love. Because our response to the gospel is to live the gospel. Yesterday was a beautiful example of this. Our church got to partner with Help and Hope Center here in Douglas County to do a food drive at local King Supers to help provide for families in need, families in crisis. And many of you sacrificed time on your Saturday to help serve our community. I want to say thank you. Thank you for doing that. You represented Jesus well yesterday. And I got a chance to swing by while a few of you were serving. Alex, Lim, Jennifer were serving at the time. And 
I was so encouraged by the warmth with which our church, you all, would approach people and say, hey, we're doing this food drive, would you want to be a part? Now, not every response to that was warm, okay? As you could imagine. But still, they loved well. They didn't, they didn't snap back or anything like that, they just continued to love. And the cool thing is, is that we got to be a part of something bigger than ourselves yesterday. Just at our King Supers alone, we had shopping cart full, on shopping cart full, on shopping cart full of groceries that were donated by our local community to help care for those in need in our own backyard. Like, how cool is that? And we got to be a part of that as a church, just a small part of that as a church. And as I drove away yesterday, I thought, man, let's do a whole lot more of that because that was awesome. We got to very tangibly show God's love to our community yesterday. And I hope we get a lot more opportunities to do that. Because every time that we live this life of worship, serving, loving, every time we do this, God is glorified and it is good for our city. So may our response to the, the gospel be to live the gospel. Let me pray for us. Lord, would you help us towards that end? Would your spirit empower us? Would you uh, reveal the gifts that you've given us, Holy Spirit? And would we use those for the good of your church, for the good of your kingdom? And together, would we see you do something incredible here in South Denver? Would we see your kingdom come, your will be done? And would we see many people who right now are, are far from you, would we see them come to you? And as they do, we give you all the glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray.